You're listening to the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. I'm Nicole Holcomb, former teacher and school counselor turned civil rights attorney and podcast host. It wasn't that long ago that we learned the reason that our daughter was struggling to learn to read in first grade was dyslexia. Fast forward four years past many hours of research and collaborating with experts in the field of dyslexia. Now I'm sharing the lessons I have learned that took me from being an overwhelmed mom who didn't understand dyslexia to a go-to mom who is helping hundreds of moms each week through education and collaboration. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies and hacks to help you do the same. If you're feeling alone and lost on your parenting dyslexia journey and you're looking to find a mom who gets it, you're in the right place. Let's jump in and get started. Hey friend, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad that you are here with us today. I know there are lots of other places you could be, and we know this is a very busy time of the year as we get near the end of the school year, so thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate it. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that we are all going to have to live through at some point, some of us sooner than later, and really talking about transitions. So let me spend a couple minutes talking about what I mean. So as our children, you know, it could be coming out of kindergarten into first grade, it could be transitioning into middle school, high school, college, or maybe our child decides not to go to college, so they're going to go into some type of business or career. At all these life stages, there are transitions. And in these life stages and these transitions, there's lots of changes at every stage. So for us, we're getting ready for our daughter to go into middle school. So, you know, that is one of the big milestones as you're raising kids. But it also has a lot of other pieces, right? So for dyslexics, academics can be so stressful. When they think about teacher expectations and getting to know new teachers and peer opinions and self-confidence, I mean, as they go through these transitions, the academics become so much more hard, more hard for them, or, or it just becomes harder. I guess is the best way to say that. Those those transitions are harder. The academics are harder. Sometimes those social groups, right, <laughs> they become more challenging and we have to kind of uh, work our way through that jer- part of the journey as well. The writing becomes more demanding. And so many times our kids continue to struggle after they make these transitions in the middle, high, and, and college or careers, and just figuring out how to navigate those new waters. And we also start thinking about, you know, what are the needs of our children? You know, you know, not only thinking about the accommodations, but when we think about those needs, there's a lot of other needs that go along with that. And you've heard me probably talk before about social and emotional pieces as well. So when you think about our kids getting older, and you think about middle and high school and, and probably even college, there are going to be some accommodations that either your child just doesn't care that people know or your child's going to be in a stage where they have a lot of self-confidence about their friends asking questions about why why you leave the room every time we test or, you know, I noticed that you get copies of the notes. How do you get copies of the notes? Or why do you always get, you know, we have to turn ours in on Wednesday, but you turn yours in on Friday. Like, why do you get more time? There will be some kids that will never notice that those things are happening, and then there will be others that that see it on the forefront. I've worked with students before where they have denied accommodations in high school, like 
I mean, just told the teacher, I don't, I don't want those accommodations, even though the parent wanted them because they just didn't want to be seen as a student that was getting accommodations. So it's not only just the academics, but it's those social emotional pieces. And sometimes, to be quite honest, we're not ready for those transitions and we're not ready because we've not done any planning or we've not thought through how are we going to help support our child, we just kind of dealt with it when those roadblocks popped up. And sometimes that's what happens in life, right? Like we don't know there's going to be something that pops up on our journey that we have to deal with or help support our child until it actually happens. But you know how I am. I'm always about preparing, preparing, preparing. So I want you to be as ready as possible for these transitions. And I think the best way to do that is through transition planning. So really thinking ahead. This really helps you know, our kids. It helps you as a parent. It can help educators. And so these are a few of the things I want you to think about. When you think about transitions and you think about these different stages, the one thing I want you to think about is... The first one is really identifying some long-range goals, and I talk about this a good bit in the Dyslexia Battle Blueprint, and the course, and in the one-on-one coaching, and then even in the ebook, and I've got a guide that you can pick up for free. But long-range goals, like what is the what is the goal down the road? Does your child want to go to college? Uh, do they want a specific career? And yes, these are living things. These change. These goals change. But having and identifying what is a goal that my child has and then designing that experience that they're having to ensure that they gain the skills and the connections and the soft skills, the communication skills that they need to be able to achieve those long-range goals. And so when you think about those things and you think about those different levels you can start planning those aspects of your child's future, which includes the education and what types of courses are available, you know, what type of experiences they have in the community, and thinking about the supports and programming that's around those experiences and and those goals. So when you think about transition planning, the first one really is thinking about what are the goals for my child. And it could be, what are the goals for this this transition year, right? And then from there, it could be, well, what is our long-range goal? And, and I, I talk about this a good bit uh, in the Dyslexia Battle Blueprint, which really is setting those goals and thinking about what what is that end result? Is the end result to graduate high school? Is that end result to, you know, go into a business program or a, um, trying to think, a, a science program in college? Is it to start their own business? Like, what is the end goal? And again, it's going to change as your kids go through these different transitions. But going in with no goals is definitely a recipe for disaster because you have no direction and you're just kind of floundering around. So I don't, I don't suggest that. So when you think about those transition plans, one of the things to think about is accommodations. So at each stage, as your child grows and changes, um, not only academically, socially, and emotionally, those accommodations may need to be changed depending on the level of remediation, the level of courses they're taking. And when you think about accommodations, especially in middle and high school, if there is a chance your child will go to college, they are going to have to take a college entrance exam. Many times we think about the SAT and ACT, right? And when you think of those things, they actually have accommodations for extended time, you know, uh, individual testing, things like that. But your child will, will as, as the recording right now, 
those accommodations are very specific as far as how you get those. And so let's say I want to give you this example so you can kind of remember this as even if your child's not in high school. When you stop some of those accommodations, then you can't pick those back up. So if your child, let's say, had extended time for testing and at some point you decide to drop that, then when they're in high school and they apply for the SAT, they can't say, oh, I now need extended time for this test because there's not a history of needing that accommodation. So they look at the hit, and that's as of right now, the recording of this date. If you're not 100% sure, uh, I'll put a link. I'm going to put a note here to put a link in the show notes for this. And that way you can go and look at, you know, what are the current requirements because the, the websites will be up to date, obviously, as to what the current requirements are for accommodations if you think that's the direction. And I would say until you know for sure, then, you know, plan for those accommodations if your child needs them. The other piece of thinking about transition planning, not only about the accommodations that they need, but also the academic support. Is there any support that needs to be in place at school or at home? So if you think about, so for example, if your child's coming out of a situation where maybe they're at a school and they're transitioning to a new school where they might not know any of the children or many of the children, you may have to be thinking about it may be a great experience, but it could also be an anxiety and stressful, you know, experience going in. And so what type of support do you need at home? Does that look like taking a semester off from some extra activities? Does that look like having a counselor available to process with your child? Is that a school counselor at school? Is that a private therapist? Thinking about what academic supports. It could be as your child transitions in, like for us being at a dyslexia school, as we transition into another school, it might be having some type of tutoring support that year. So it just looks different for everybody, but be thinking about what type of academic support your child may need. And then next, number three, is looking at class options. Like what are the options in this new school, this transition, the middle or higher college? What are the school options for classes? So going back to nurturing, I talked about this in one of the last episodes, nurturing your child's strengths and talents. You know, if your child really uh, excels in math and science, they really want to take those classes, then when you're looking at those transition years, you know, look at what those class options look like. You know, what is going to help with self-confidence? What is going to light your child up? What is going to feather their pursuits um, in the future? And then, you know, making sure that they have those opportunities. And if you are in a situation where you're choosing between schools, it's just like going to college, looking at those different programs and looking at what's what's available for your child and getting them excited about that. That really goes into number four as well, which is in future planning. Like when you think about those transition plans and you think about these uh, these different time periods in their life, not only are you talking about these academic and accommodation supports and the class options, you're really thinking about the future. Like, how do I best position my child for the future? So if they have a very strong fine arts program and your child's very interested in that, then, you know, how do you help position your child to get the most out of that? Which rolls right into number five, which is nurturing, again, those strengths and interests that your child has. And so you want to make sure that there's an opportunity to continue to do that. And if the school doesn't have specific things there for the strengths and interests, that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't go there. That's the school that they need to go to. Just look at other ways outside of school to continue to nurture those pieces. And so that's where this transition plan becomes very important. Maybe your child really enjoys trying to think of an example maybe your child really enjoys lacrosse I was trying to think of an example of might not be at every school and 
your child's been playing lacrosse for the last two years and then you transition to a school, maybe you move, and the new school doesn't have that. It doesn't mean you can't continue to nurture that interest. You may just have to find a club or some kind of, you know, re, um, I was going to say like a rec team or some kind of travel team or whatever it might look like, but trying to find some way that your child can continue those interests. And then the sixth one, which I think can really, it really plays a piece in transition planning for your child's success. And that is the ease of the transition. The ease of the transition, you know, when you think about, I mean, think about your experiences going from these big milestones to middle school to high school, if you went to college or your first job, and think about the possible stress that you had, the anxiety you had. If you're the parent that has dyslexia, then you may have some very strong feelings about how that felt and the anxiety that you had. So how do we ease our children as much as we can from that transition? Well, a couple of things come to mind. They may be pretty obvious, but sometimes you just need to state the obvious to help people, right? So easing the transition could look like, you know, helping your child go ahead and develop a friend group. And so this could be, you know, getting involved with a new school as far as maybe they have activities going on at school. Maybe they've got sports your child can try out for. Maybe there's particular club activities. Summer programs are great if they offer any kind of summer, not a summer school, but many schools offer like summer enrichment programs. Even if it's in the local community where let's say a big group of girls are in Girl Scouts or maybe your child is interested in a particular soccer program that is near the school or it could look a lot of different ways. Maybe your school has a STEM summer program where your child can meet some other children. If it's a private school, lots of private schools offer fun camp activities at their private school in the summer, and that's a good opportunity for your child to get uh, acclimated to the building and then also to meet some students that probably go to school there. Another great way to ease that transition is through school visits or shadow days, having the opportunity to be there and kind of shadow with another student if that's available at that school to do that prior to the student enrolling. That is always helpful. Usually do that the year before. And then school programs that are at that at that school. So if you know you're going to be transitioning to a school, let's say you're transitioning to a high school, you could start easing your child in, especially if you're at a middle school that feeds into that high school, so to speak. You could go to athletic events. You could go to see their plays, if they have an art exhibit, you know, whatever might connect your child with an interest that that school has. So those types of things can kind of ease the transition. And then, like I said earlier, you know, thinking about those future plans, if you need to have some support in place to help your child with, you know, counseling or things of that nature, go ahead and set those up if you know that your child's going to need those pieces. But the bottom line is, no matter where you are in these different milestones, transitions are going to happen. So we can help ease the stress and anxiety for your child and your family by really planning for that transition. And like I stated earlier, the transition planning is really looking at those long-range goals. And when you're thinking about those goals, how do you design these experiences in middle, high, and college to really help your students gain the skills and the connections they need to, to achieve those goals? And then thinking about what does the student's future look like as far as education and employment? And how do we position these academic supports 
and the, and also nurture these strengths and, and interests that your child has. So really looking at all of those pieces. And like I said earlier, we do that through the Dyslexia Battle Blueprint, but we also have a lot of free resources as well. If you want to work one-on-one with me, I have opportunities for those as well to help work you, work you through, <laughs> walk you through that transition process because we've all been there, right? And we all are going to have children that go through those transitions. And so it can be stressful and it may be stressful even with planning, but the more you can plan and be prepared, then the more at ease you and your family may feel. So thanks for listening today. Uh, like I said earlier, if you want to learn more about dyslexia or about transition planning, you can head over to dyslexiamomlife.com where we have lots of, of free dyslexia resources. If you want more support or talk more about this episode, please come join me and the other amazing moms in our private dyslexia a Facebook group is Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast Community. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you know, be sure to come in and introduce yourself to the group. You will love the moms in there, and you can ask questions. We have many moms that have kids in college and high school, middle school, and they can tell you, you know, how they went about making that transition as easy or as um, as much at ease as they could, right? It's going to be a bump. Any transition is going to be a bump, and you're, that's, it's going to be, you know, it looks different for every child. So, but we want to make it as smooth as possible and to be prepared as much as possible because, again, I'm very type A. <laughs> so I like to have plans, but I think it's important for your child to, to also know what to expect and to have the opportunity to kind of ease into it so there's not unnecessary stress, if that makes sense. So I hope you have a great week, and I want you to remember you got this, and I've got you. Take care. <laughs>